Galatians 2.21. Ready? Let's read. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. For I do not frustrate the grace of God. Now, as we get into this, we're going to discover that the Apostle Paul, he has rebuked Apostle Peter. So this is part of the discussion between Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. But I wanted to read this, and we're going to get into this, but I want to, I wanted to read it for sake of knowing that this is where we get our subject teaching, frustrating the grace of God. And, and let me say this, the gospel, the finished work of Jesus, listen to this now, is incomplete with the exclusion of grace. You cannot completely teach the gospel if you leave out grace. It is incomplete. So if the gospel is preached to you while eliminating the message of grace, beloved, it is an incomplete gospel. Because once, and we've discovered throughout this teaching that the grace of God is as, it comes as a result of the finished work of Jesus. You got to remember that he was full of grace and truth. And watch this. And we inherited that grace as a result of what he finished. Are you with me? And as a result, uh, uh, or what religion has done, at best that is, it has given us a mixture of law and grace. Now, and I'm going to show you that the Apostle Paul considered a mixture as being perverted. So Apostle Paul lets us know that when you mix law and grace, you have actually perverted the gospel. <laughs> Are you here? Listen, let me lay this foundation because we have been, when you have been taught the wrong message for so long, again, it's going to take more than one or two teachings on the right message to uproot the wrong thinking. Are you with me? So when we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about the finished work of Jesus. And we are products, those of us who are new creations in Christ, we are on the side of God's grace. That's what we are up under. Are you with me? So uh, uh, listen, those who are bound I want to say this because those who are bound by religion, again, works-based religion, self-effort, they will assail you when you start walking in this and saying that you are under the grace of God. So expect the criticism, the attacks, but you stay firmly fixed in this grace by which you stand. So when they come, Alina, no, I'm going to stand in this grace. Because if I try to mix it, Brother Damien, I am now frustrating the grace of God. And that's what we do when we try to serve God based on our effort and the finished work. We are frustrating the grace of God. 
it's almost like you're trying to do something. You know what you're doing. Then somebody comes along and tries to help you, but they're actually messing up what you're trying to do. It frustrates you. Why? Because I got sit. Let me handle this. So in essence, that's what the Lord said. Let me handle this. I got this. You are only frustrating it when you're trying to justify yourself before me by doing something that would never, never satisfy me in the sense of making you righteous before me based upon what you do. So you're going to have to stand in this grace. Let me show you real quickly Romans 5, 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2. And see, when you get this, beloved, you will rely on the finished work. And watch this. And once you stop frustrating grace, then and only then can you now begin to be a recipient of the benefits, of the benefits of grace. Are you with me? So let, let's read this, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have, through whom we also have access, you have access by faith into this grace which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So listen, once you become a new creation in Christ, you have now been granted access to grace through faith in Christ. And let me just say this, grace is not a season. I know we see this is the season, for but I'm just telling you grace is not a season. Because if you, if you come to the conclusion that it is a season when things aren't necessarily flowing the way you think they're flowing, you would think there's no grace on your life or you have to wait until the season of grace comes back around. So grace is not a season, beloved. It is a position in which you stand. Where, where do you get that? Right here in the Word of God. And when you understand it's not a season, you have grace 24-7. Seven days a week, 365. So that means in January, you have grace. In February, there's a grace on you. In March, there's a grace on you. In April, there's a grace on you. In May, there's favor. In June, there's favor. In November, there's favor. Are you with me? So, so, so it's not a season. I just... Threw that in there. That's extra. <laughs> now, you have to let me give you a working definition again of grace. So as we get into this, you will actually see what you are frustrating and what you are choosing to lay aside, ignore, or make of no effect when we are afraid to stand in this. Are you with me? Write this down. You may have it. Uh, under our last teaching, but you will have it with this teaching. Grace is God. Okay, we already know that it is God's enabling power, okay? But it's the Greek word charis. The Greek word charis, which has the idea of graciousness, God's graciousness. It's God's supernatural enabling power. It's God's unearned 
favor. That's where we get unmerited. Why? Because it's, it's not earned. It's unearned. Unmerited is just another word for unearned. So it's God's unmerited love. It's God's unearned favor. Now, when used in reference to God, it is the benevolent action of him, listen to this, stooping down to us in kindness to reach us in our need and convey upon us a benefit. Did you hear that? When used in reference to God, grace is the benevolent action of him stooping down to us in his kindness to reach us in our need. Watch this. And then he conveys upon us a benefit. <laughs> now, we often hear unmerited favor. But unmerited, as I stressed to you before, unmerited favor is more than just an attitude of favor or mercy. So it's just more than an attitude of favor or mercy. His mercy is an expression of his compassion toward us. But his grace, listen to me now, is an extension of benevolence translated into action that releases his enabling power into our lives. So when he bends or leans in our favor, that's what enables me, empowers me, or makes me eager to do right. Why? Because it is his power working on my behalf. And we see throughout this teaching that grace actually, what? Teaches me how to live ungodly. See, that's that enabling power leaning on me. Are you with me? Now, in the Hebrew... The word grace literally means favor. It's the, it's the Hebrew word kin, which comes from the root word kanan. And this means, why are you giving me this? I want you to know this because when we frustrate it, which literally means to lay aside, this is what you were choosing. To reject. <laughs> so, Brother David, when I frustrate the grace, I'm saying, Lord, I don't need you bending your weight in my favor. I choose not to have your weight working on my behalf. When I try to do it myself, I'm saying, I know what grace does, but I can do this on my own. Who've heard this growing up? We just heard that the gospel was Jesus saves. <laughs> so this word cannot, it means to bend or stoop in kindness, watch this, to another as a superior, talking about God, to an inferior, which would be us. So we have someone who is superior bending in the direction of those who are inferior. And you don't want the weight of God bending in your favor. <laughs> now, I want to give you this again. The Hebrew word now, 
that we translate as grace in English is composed of two Hebrew letters. Write this down. <laughs> Again, this is important because it has been frustrated. <laughs> it has been laid to the side. That's why you rarely hear it. And this is the message that Apostle Paul preached. This is the gospel. There is no other. We're going to see this. So the Hebrew word that we translate as grace in English is composed of two Hebrew letters, chet, C-H-E-T, and noon, N-O-O-N. Now, as pictures are to give you some type of imagery, chet is a picture of a private place or refuge. It is a fenced and protected sanctuary. Ah. So when you frustrate grace, when you lay it to the side, when you forfeit it, you are saying, I don't want a fenced Or a fist in protected sanctuary. I don't want to be inside of the fence. I choose not to dwell in the place of refuge when we frustrate the. That's what you're saying. I, I don't want to dwell where it's safe. Are you here? And noon is pictured as a fish, and it literally means, or, and it means activity and life. Okay, you should already have this. So Chet Noon, based on the Hebrew picture language, is, listen to this now, is God produces life in us. They're going to enable and power. So as God produces life in us, watch this now, then puts a fence or wall of protection around us that, or, or around that life so that it may not be destroyed or removed. That's what grace does. Puts a wall of protection around my life, and it protects my life, whereby it cannot be destroyed or removed. Are you here? Now, get these down, because as we get into this, all those who are frustrating God, God's grace, this, Brother Jackson, is what they're forfeiting when we should be standing in this. That's our position, standing in grace. As a position, we're seated in him, but we're standing in position in grace. It's a wall. See, because religion has taught you to look for trouble. People are afraid to declare this. I know Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation, but it also said be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Then, and John tells us, anyone born of God overcomes the world. And it is our agreement with God that gives us the victory or our faith in him. So I'm not looking for trouble, but if it comes, there's a fence around me. See, 
look, you have to, you have to, you have to stand in that. Because if not, you will resign to, well, you know, things are gonna happen. Not to me, they're not. See, see, some some take that as being arrogant. No, I'm standing in my position. And everybody gonna die something. See, it, it, if you resign to that, then that would probably be just like what we're gonna see throughout this teaching, that when people frustrate this or lay it to the side, they put themselves back under the curse that has been removed. So Chetnum, based on the Hebrew picture language, is God produces life in us, then puts a fence or wall of protection around that life so that it may not be destroyed or removed. Now, as numbers, Chet is the number eight, which signifies eternity, new creation, new birth, new beginnings. Any man be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, that's Chet. Noon represents the number 50, which signifies Holy Spirit. Notice we talk about that enabling power. Pentecost, watch this, deliverance followed by rest. It also signifies jubilee. That's why under grace, jubilee is not every 50th year. It's all the time. <laughs> Man, look, look, I don't have to wait for seven cycles of seven. No, Jubilee is now. Are you with me? So the new birth that God graciously, so again, eight is the new birth that God graciously innates, initiates, excuse me, in every believer. While 50 delivers us, watch this, from the bondage of sin, and by God's Holy Spirit produces eternal life in us. So get that, and as we go through this, you can refer to, so when the enemy comes, you just chet noon, devil. There's a fence, a protection around me, and it safeguards my life and my children, my wife, my spouse. Are you here? Romans. 614 NLT. Let me tell you something. Stop allowing people to get you to walk into something and it's not proven by Scripture. We're under grace, daughter. No matter what the lying apostles and prophets and preachers say. Because you have those who dare not believe that we're under grace. And they keep us under law and try to mix grace with it. And Paul says, when you do that, you have perverted this gospel. Well, Pastor, what do you get this from the Word of God? Sin is no longer your master. Why? Because we learned that we have died. Where my students at, 
We have died. I can't. Why? Because I have died to it. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under law or the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom. Where you live, daughter? Under the freedom of God's grace. So why would you allow somebody to cause you to frustrate that when I have been... This is where I live under the freedom of God's grace. Notice. Sin is no longer your master, so no longer have dominion over you. Why? The first reason why, because the old man was crucified with Christ. That's why sin can't have dominion over you. Why? Because he was crucified with Christ. You remember we talked about that baptized, that baptizo? We, we, we what to be submerged, to be immersed. So that old man was baptized, not in water, but in, into Christ's death. What I'm referring to Romans 6. Are you with me? Now, the second reason is we're no longer under law, but under grace. Are you with me? Watch this. Sin does not have dominion over people who are under grace. Put the New King James Version up there for me. Say that. Sin does not have dominion over people who are under grace. For sin should not have Dominion over you, for you're not under law, you're under. Okay, so who would agree with that? Not based upon my opinion, but what the Word says. Sin does not have dominion over people who are under grace. Why? Because the believer has died. That individual has died to sin. And now he has been empowered by the indwelling of Holy Spirit. Now, and I submit to you, and again, whenever you teach about grace, the first thing people say, well, it doesn't mean you can live any kind of way. Who said that? You just telling people, they could, let me tell you something, whether I tell people whatever or not, they're going to live, Brother Jackson, how they want to live until they get the revelation of who they are in Christ. So we don't even have to pose that question. But those who are afraid of grace insist that it gives license for ungodly living. I I, I want to say that because Paul meets this error head on by asking the question, then flat out denying it. Romans 615. We've seen this. New King James. We watch this now. Now we've we've been here last several weeks. So this is the end of it going into the new, what we're talking about now. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? What does he say? Certainly not. Again, why? Because he has 
died to it. So I am free from the law, but not lawless. In other words, I'm free from the law, Brother Jackson, but I still have the ability to fall short of the glory or standard of God. So again, under grace doesn't mean that you can't get out here and just live or it's not supposing or suggesting that you just can live whatever, any kind of way. He's dealing with this right now. Grace means freedom to serve the Lord, not live lawlessly against him. I would write that down. Grace means freedom to serve the Lord, not to live lawlessly against him. Again, it teaches us, as we've seen in Titus 2.12, how to live ungodly. So I submit to you, people who probably live in any kind of way haven't been taught the message of grace correctly because if you understand it, it should enable you because you have God leaning in your favor. And with his enabling power, it helps you live like a new creation in Christ. Now watch this. I'll write this down. What is the relationship of the Christian to the law? Let's, let's deal with that real quick. He's dealing with this in chapter 7, verse 1. <laughs> Let's look at it real quick. Matter of fact, we weren't even born under the law. We already dealt with that. Or do you not know, brethren, watch this. What's he saying? For I speak to those who what? Know the law. Who's he talking to? Those who know the law. That the law has dominion over man as long as he what? So when we ask the question, what is the relationship of the law, what is the relationship of the Christian to the law? Notice, listen what he said. Or do you not know, brethren? Notice he's talking to a Jewish objector. For I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he. So uh, the law has dominion over you as long as he lives, right? Notice now. Verse Romans 7, 1 is connected to verse 14 in Romans chapter 6. You're not under law, but under grace. The connection is this. Because notice, go back to, look, he says he's speaking to those who what? Know the law. So the connection is this. You should know that you are not under law. Or are you ignorant of the fact that the law has dominion over a man only when he is alive? But you are not alive. Why? Because you have dead. See, it only has dominion over you if you have not reckoned yourself to be dead. But since you are dead, the law cannot affect a dead man. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Notice, he's speaking to those who are familiar with the fundamental principles of the principles of law. I'm speaking to those who what? He's like, you ought to know 
that you're under grace. You're not under law. And the law will only have an effect on you if you consider yourself to still be alive. Oh, man, let me tell you something. I take this over some, some of that other stuff all day long because I like walking in liberty and freedom. That, look, 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 that, that, that frustrating the, the, the grace of God, that's for the birds, man. Watch this. He's speaking to those who are familiar with the fundamental principle of the law and therefore should know that the law has nothing to say to a dead man. In other words, he said, you're, not un- you're under grace. Watch this. The law was given to Israel, right? Y'all, you should know that it was given to Israel. But the principles, listen to this now, apply just as much to Gentile believers who foolishly want to put themselves under law as a rule of life after they have been justified. And we're going to see in this in Galatians that when you do that, you have removed yourself from God's grace. So that's being foolish. Why? Because you are not under that. So it only has power over a man who tries to live by it. And notice the law didn't have the power to save. It just showed you where you were wrong, but it didn't give you what it took to overcome it. Are you here? Who gets it? It doesn't get any. But see, when I just extract it out of context, somebody try to use it. Oh, right here. Here it go. See, so you have to watch people who extract a single verse out of context. There's a lot of groups out there that do that now. You better know who you know. And know the word. Because if you try to keep me under one aspect of the law, I, you better keep me under them all. That's Bible. So they say, oh, do you not see? I hear it go right here. That the law, see the, 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 the read, the law has dominion over you as long as he lives. Then somebody, well, he right is. See, it's right here in the Word, yeah, but, it, but you're not saying this out of context. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you ought to know that you are under grace. You're not under law. But as long as you consider yourself not to be dead, the law will have dominion over you as long as you live. But if you could reckon yourself at, in Romans 6 and 11, as we seem to be dead, the law doesn't have dominion over a dead man. Why? Because he has been justified. He's under grace. Depending on God's ability. Are you here? Write this down. Living under God's grace. Write that. Living under God's grace. What did I say? Okay, put this. Living under God's grace is having a personal, intimate, and loving relationship with him. Write this down. You need to get this. (laughs) The worst thing you can do is put the Bible in the hands of an unlearned individual. 
And ah, just because you can read doesn't mean you understand the word. Just like when Apostle Paul met the Ethiopian eunuch, he was reading the Bible. And he said, he, Paul asked him, did he understand what he was reading? He said, how can I except someone show me? See, so just because you can read doesn't mean you understand or comprehend what you are reading. Living under God's grace, one, you can number these. Number one, living under God's grace is having a personal, intimate, and loving relationship with God. Watch this. That's not on the basis of your self-righteousness, performance, or good works, but purely on the basis of faith in the person of Jesus Christ and his finished work. Who want me to say it again? But see, if I say it again, you won't go back and watch the video. <laughs> now, raise your hand. If I give it to you, promise me, you're going to go back and, and still. See, y'all don't want to do right. Y'all still under the law. I, we're all the people under grace. Okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I got to move on now. Here, here we go. Living under grace is having a personal, intimate, and loving relationship with God that's not on the basis of your self-righteousness, performance, or good works, but purely on the basis, listen this, of faith in the person of who? Jesus Christ and his finished work. Okay? Number two, living, and I'm going to show you this, living under grace is receiving God's righteousness as a gift by faith in Christ Jesus and continuing to live and walk in this righteousness consciousness. I said again, living under grace is receiving God's righteousness as a gift by faith in Christ Jesus and continuing to live and walk in this righteousness consciousness. Philippians 3, 8 and 9. Let's look at this real quickly. You hear? So the verse I'm about to give you now is going to what I just gave you. Yet indeed, I also count myself. Yes, indeed, I also count all the things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through, here it go, faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from ah, God by faith. See, it's having that personal relationship with God that's not based upon any merit of your own, but through the faith of what Jesus did. Oh, you here? Or having faith in what Jesus did. The next one, living under grace is standing firm in the liberty by which Christ has made you free from the yoke of the law. What did I say? Living under grace is standing firm in the liberty 
by which Christ has made you free from the yoke of the law. Add this to it. It is serving God in newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the latter. It is serving God in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the latter. Listen, I submit to you, daughter, that a great majority of Christians are living in that mixture that Paul considers perverted. Why they, they, they're trying to live under the law and live as new creations in Christ. As if what Christ did, daughter, isn't sufficient. That's why he rebuking Peter in chapter 2 of Galatians. Yeah. Peter was enjoying his liberty and freedom in Christ. Fellowshipping with Gentiles, eating and hanging out with Gentiles. Then there was these Jewish people who came down to Antioch from Jerusalem who said they were from James. And Peter, in fear, thinking that if they see me fellowshipping with these Gentiles, they might go back and tell on me. So he stopped eating with the Gentiles. As if what Christ did is no longer enough. I'm getting into next week's message. So put a pen right there. Living under grace is standing what? Firm in the liberty by which Christ has made you free from the yoke of the law. It is serving God in what? It is serving God in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Galatians 5.1, NLT, let me show you something. Who's getting this? Listen to this, beloved. Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure <laughs> you stay free. Don't get tied up again in, the, in slavery of the law. You got to eat this. You got to observe that day. You gotta, don't, get, don't, don't get in that bondage again. You've been freed from that. As a matter of fact, you were not even born under that covenant. <laughs> Are you here? Romans 7, 6 in LT. Romans 6 in LT. You there? Romans 7, 6, I'm sorry. But now, but now, but now, ah, but now, see, it only has power over you if you still consider yourself alive. But if you reckon yourself to be dead, it has no power over you, over a dead man. But now we have been released from the law. For we, see, 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 we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. See, you frustrate the grace of God when you try to live by it under that system. Now we can serve God, not in the old way, 
of obeying the letter of the law. But now, here it go again, in the new way of living in the Spirit. Galatians 2. I had to go through all that just to get to Galatians 2. Now, you have to remember the purpose of Paul's epistle to the church of Galatia. Listen to this now. He's writing to refute Judaizers. You had, again, that Jewish faction or group who taught that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, must obey what? The Jewish law in order to be saved. So Paul refutes that. He deals with that. Then he calls the believers to faith. Watch this. He, 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 or he calls Christians to faith and freedom in Christ. Are you with me? So that you'll see that general theme when you read this particular letter. He's dealing with those who were trying to teach. And that's what Peter fell back into. Now, he went from walking into freedom to going back frustrating the grace. That's why at verse 21, Paul said, I'm going to frustrate this. You frustrate this. You are a transgressor when you do that. Are y'all here? It's been in your word almost 3,000 years now. Are you with me? <laughs> That's why we see in chapter uh, 5, verse 1, stand firm in this. Because you're going to have people who try to cause you to frustrate the grace. Yeah. I don't mean that guy. You need to observe the Sabbath. Look, again, I understand what you're trying to say. Jesus is our Sabbath rest for number one. And, and hold on. The Sabbath wasn't about a day. It was more about what was supposed to take place on the day than the actual day itself. And what was supposed to take place on the day was no activity from nobody. Don't work your animals. Don't work your slaves. Don't you. This is a day of rest for everybody. That's why Christ is our rest for every believer. Now, Galatians 2, we're going to deal with uh, verses 16 through 21. But starting at verse 11, again, we're going to find Paul. He's rebuking Peter. Again, when he first came to Antioch, he would eat with the Gentiles. Enjoying his fulfillment as a new creation in Christ. And see, under the Jewish tradition, he couldn't have done that. And again, sometime later, uh, there were people who came down uh, to Antioch from Jerusalem, and uh, some thought that they were Jewish Christians who were clinging, watch this, to legal observances. There you go, Brother Damien. So when, 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 when Peter stopped having fellowship with the Gentiles, Again, fearing that they will go back and talk about his behavior. Oh, man, you hear? Paul begins his rebuke. And, and by Peter's recent refusal to eat with the Gentiles, here's what he was doing. He was implying that the observances of Jewish laws and customs were necessary for holiness and that Gentile believers would have to live as Jews. Now, here's a man 
who had stopped these things and went back to it. That's why Paul considered it frustrating, the grace. Because now you're trying to work a system that's no longer in effect. And see, again, when you try to establish your righteousness before God based upon your performance, you frustrate the grace of God. And see, now, here's the thing, brother. More, Peter should have known better because God had already dealt with him in the case of Cornelius. So he knew not to call common or unclean what God is clean. What's wrong with you, man? You know better than this. And you let somebody take you back. He, did, he was deserving of a rebuke. Now, Galatians 2, 16 through verses 21, and we're going to pick up here next week. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.